are live. Welcome to our season finale. Hello! Season 3, episode 12. The end of the On Your Mind series. Yes. Which has been extraordinary. Um, and the end of live lunch for 2019, unless you decide to do a Christmas special. Oh, we're gonna do a Christmas Come on, special. vote people. Uh, badge of the, we badge need of the your votes. Come on. If you want to, you'll only do it if he gets Joel's a million speech. people saying yes. Yeah. A million? Let's go for a million. Why not? Oh. What? Yeah. Alright, he'll do it. Let's be ten. more realistic. We'll if ten. all five of you say yes, <laughs> we'll do it for ten. We'll do it. Go for a million. If fifty-two percent say yes. We've started eating um, <laughs> and are just in a really happy place because the food oh. has been the, this Kokoro place, which thanks to Megan for introducing us. Yes. Kokoro. Lives are better. So good. Kokoro. Excellent. Japanese food. food um, mm. I'm just, I'm just really happy. <laughs> You're happy today. Mm. He's happy. Good. Why, why did you guys talk? You guys. Kokoro. You do you you ended the on your mind series with family on your mind. Uh, before you dig into that bit of Kokoro. chicken, <laughs> <laughs> let's let us carry on feasting whilst you tell us. Normally I say do a thirty second summary of the preach, but you may you, you do five minutes. Yeah. You go for it. Let's. Can we do five you, minutes? You want to preach again whilst? Uh, You're cool with me just talking for yeah. a while. Because mm. you're just mellowed by the food. Just really happy. Just so really what, happy. What did you preach on? Uh, the family. Mm. Call your own family. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the family. Yeah. Even the wasabi sauce that they produce. This this little. Mm. It's just on point. Yeah. Mm. I don't care what I preach, Dom. Mm. This is good. <laughs> no, I, I. So the family and anxiety in relationship to the family. <laughs> Anything else? Mm. Mm. It's the shortest description you've ever yeah, given I, yeah, us. Yeah, just, you know, something's happened this week. Tell us some stories. Tell us like something. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> my brother. This is linked to the family thing because it involves my brother, who, who um, has a friend in London, who um, um, was asked to house sit for a family who had a dog. Oh and, no! And. and um, while he was house sitting for this dog, um, it died. It was a Labrador. Oh, no. like, oh, no. This is such a sad situation. It's like, this how do I deal with this, this Labrador? This is a really long story, but and yeah. it's a shaggy dog story. Mm. So um, he he is he is not that long. He th- I know it's a girl. It's a lady. She said, I've got to think about this. And she because th- she lived in London. She didn't have a car, and she had to get it to the vet to you know to be disposed of the body to be disposed of. So transported it on the, the tube on the London Underground. Mm. And uh, got on at a certain station and managed to take to the correct station, going up the steps, quite a big staircase, it with a suitcase filled with Labrador. So a big suitcase filled with dead Labrador. And um, while going up the stairs, um, a, a, a really friendly, um, um, you know, just common citizen just uh, came up alongside him and said, looks like a heavy case, can I help you with that case? And uh, she said, "Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of you." And then, and then <laughs> she knew that the question was going to be, "What's in it?" And he picked up. Oh, it's really heavy. What, what's in this case? And she says, um, "She can't say a dead Labrador." Um, so she says, um, uh, "My boyfriend's DJ equipment." Um, thinking quick, and um, and so and so she thinks she's got away with it. You know, managed to dodge that bullet. Gets to the top of the staircase, and the guy runs off with the suitcase <laughs> never to be seen again 
a thief, you see. He thought, I'm going to go take this case and, uh, and put all the, float all this DJ stuff on eBay and make a load of money. We never know what happened, but, but it, it will have involved at some point a person opening up a suitcase looking to, looking to expect to make a fortune. And do you know why I've done that? It's because there's this uh, skit on a BBC iPlayer show, Man Like Mobile, and something similar happens. He tries to buy a laptop of somebody. Instead, the guy sells him a dead dog in a bin bag. And, oh, right. Uh, so he opens his bin bag. So this is based a on the story. He finds a dead dog. And seconds later, the police, this is full on uh, armed response police unit, descends upon him, guns blazing, make sure what's in your bag. He has to pull out the dead dog. Well, as far as I know, my story is completely true. I have another really good story. The fact that it's similar to that makes me wonder. I have another really good story with your brother shared. Do we have time for that? Of course we have. That's what we came for. Really quick. So, it's another one of your brother's stories. He had a friend who whose neighbours had rabbits, um, or a rabbit, and uh, the neighbours said, okay, just look, look after my rabbit while I'm going for holiday for a week. And mm. so the, the, friend went, the neighbour went on holiday. That evening, his friend's dog rocks up with a dead rabbit in uh, between his teeth. Mm. And he's like, mm. with this, um, making that so exact sound, mm. with this dead rabbit in his teeth. And this guy's like, making that sound. I've been asked to look after the, my neighbour's rabbits, and my dog is already like tunneled underneath the fence a hold of this rabbit and, and killed it what do I do so he says okay he goes to a pet shop finds a similar looking rabbit so I'm just going to replace the rabbit and hopefully the owner won't know and so he goes and puts this freshly bought uh, rabbit in uh, in the rabbit pen uh, and uh, covers his tracks anyway at the end of the week his neighbour emerges and returns and he has this big scream in the garden he's like oh no it's found out like, I've, I've got to apologise so he walks out to the, to the garden quite cheapishly, looks over the fence. And the, the neighbor's like, you'll never believe what happened. My, dabbit, my rabbit died and I buried it. I risk come back to life. <laughs> so the dog had dug up a dead rabbit. Mm, yeah, the dog yeah, rabbit was already yeah. dead. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. Mm, Did you get it? Yeah. 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 Six yeah. minutes in. We've got up to eight subscribers. Yeah, it's dog stories. Yeah, well, now you've got stories. This is how the live lunch is going to thrive. Yeah. I wonder if we did um, like animals should have been one of the, the topics of the preaching series mm. anxiety mm. around animals yeah dead animals what happens if, what happens if you find if you found a dead animal in the suitcase when you're expecting it to be a DJ kit probably cause you a lot of anxiety that is true and you want to listen to what Joel Logan has to say on a situation like that mm. we haven't given that poor Robert an opportunity to yeah. learn um I don't know how we're going to go into like serious conversation. <laughs> You're going to show us. Epic stories. Go, Johan. We're with you. I'm just going to do like open we're gear change you. and we're get right serious. Behind you. Um, if you've just tuned in, welcome. Welcome. Ignore the, mm. the, the last few minutes of conversation. Mm. Um, people are still struggling with anxiety. The series has come to an end. Um, you've, you've said stuff. I've, I've listened to stuff. I'm not really, I'm not really been, I'm not, I'm not, my life's not been changed. I'm still having to deal with these issues that I came in at the start of this urban series. What would you say to them? <laughs> well, I was, I was remarking on <clears throat> this wonderful talk on the family and being on your mind that just coming out of that, going to Christmas and how Christmas itself really brings that to fresh attention. So even Joel mentioned it in a talk and I shared it on the Sunday really that it's interesting that Christmas exposes um, our anxiety of family particularly but again even think Christmas then also all the anxieties we spoke about money 
you know, again, Christmas becomes a source of anxiety but I, because I've got an anxiety about money or Christmas becomes an anxiety because I'm worried about the future and how things are going to go forwards into the next year. Or, and so it, it is this time where we want everything to be perfect, goodwill to all men. And, you know, Jesus has come, everything is good. And, and yet it is a season of anxiety also. It's a season, we talked about suicide, but suicide is being the highest in January after this great celebration of yeah. joy and peace and family and gifts and generosity and all of that. And actually, when you don't experience that, um, that's difficult for people. And I think, again, it's probably the loneliest season for people in the church. So I think having had this whole season on what does Jesus say to anxiety and then people to listen to it and even we've talked about hope pretty well we've also talked about it's funny one guy reflected but basically every week we're saying really is that God is good he loves us and so the answer to anxiety is to trust him know that we've got this God out there who wants who who we can trust mm. our, our peace is outside of ourselves not within ourselves in a sense and so I think it is hard for people who've thought, right, well, maybe this series will change everything. Well, no, it's, it's Jesus that changes everything. And I think, where do people go if they're still anxious? Well, I think they listen to our Christmas uh, messages on the hope of Jesus. They, they keep coming uh, to be around the family of the church where we bear each other's burdens. We, we can be a family to one another. We can be a community to one another. Um, I think we just keep doing what we're doing, which was keep exposing ourselves to the good news of the gospel. And then saying, well, how does that work in my life? Grabbing a brother or sister, pray for me, help me. Admitting, mm. yeah, humbly again, admitting I'm in need, I need help. Mm. Getting the help that God has given us through everything we've talked about, even GPs, mental health, community, family, everything that he's given us. Mm. we just got to keep doing that stuff mm. uh, to reign in life as Jesus wanted. So, yeah, I think we keep doing what we're doing. Mm. Mm. Anything you add to that? No, no, I, no I, I think it's it. That's right. I guess going back to what you said about the whole, you're, you're coming into Christmas and you're in context where there's possible reason for strife. Maybe you're, I was talking to somebody earlier today and they said if you are if, if you live in Brighton, you probably have a certain, with the election coming up as well, um, so election and Christmas coming up, you probably yeah. vote in a particular way, you're, you're passionate about certain things, you're not just apathetic and just do stuff, but it's, it should be quite common to be a people in Brighton that they really care about the things that they that they talk about and maybe you go back into a situation where either people don't really care about the same things that you're passionate about or they, they think in a completely different uh, trajectory and have voted in for an, uh, an opposing party and, and the kind of tension that that could create. I mean, that's just one of the examples of, of some of the, the tension and the anxiety yeah, I mean, that you could experience when when you come together for Christmas. Is there anything that you'd speak to to those guys? To, hey, this this is something that you could find helpful. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're asking um, if you, if there are things that can be divisive in a family. Well, no, I, I think people would know what those divisive things are, but how would you? bring peace into or what were you, how where would you find your comfort in yeah. those moments of tension and division yeah yeah I think one of the uh, Bible if that's a question that someone's got which I know many will have my best advice actually is to go to the book in the Bible called 1 Peter and just take some time in it mm. um, and, and read it over the next um, uh, few days and just read it maybe read it a few times maybe read it every day for a few days or, or read it a chapter a day really slowly and, and deliberately take some time in it mm. because it's it's um 
it's, if it's about any one particular part of the way we live, it's, it is about how we, as Christians, cope with the fact that we're different um, to the world around us. And that it's, um, it's teaching into even some of those complicated things, like what about if you're different to your family? What about if you're different to your husband or wife? What about if you're, the way that you're different is, is, is causing them annoyance? And, and Peter's just full of advice mm. and, and, and stuff I could try and summarize now. But I, I honestly think it'd be better for the person that's really wrestling with this issue not to just take a quick memory verse from me here, but to actually dig into that book. Because mm. it's not just a few verses, it's the whole point mm. of the book. He's trying to help us to see, see in the context of our identity as, as God's people um, and, and our identity as joined with Jesus, who had exactly that experience of being... Um, the, the one that was rejected even though he was actually good yeah. for everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. and his goodness being misunderstood yeah. and, uh, and, and I think he didn't allow his goodness or his good status to be an excuse to be obnoxious yeah. which is a temptation if I'm, if I'm in a situation where I'm the only Christian or I, I'm the only one that believes a certain thing against the, you know, it, it can become a, a, a context for me to start cutting uh, lines of, of communication and being harsh back to people and thinking that I'm justified in doing that and Peter won't let us go there mm. um, and it's just a it's just a rich book and I, I would say it's it's worth some time yeah. digging into that and he, he does open I think it's the first letter where he talks about pray for unity and, and strive for unity in, in wherever you are mm. um, unity join and the third thing that I can't remember what the third one is but it is such a, it is such a fascinating I, just, I was just finishing one Peter and two Peter and one of the verses that really stuck out to me was the verse, was the verse where he says, consider your life and, uh, and be diligent with your life. And he says, I'm doing the same because I know I don't have much longer to live. Um, Jesus said that he's, he's calling me home. And that must have been quite incredible for Peter when he came to that revelation that he's coming, his life is coming to an end. Um, because he's going to see his friend. He hasn't. He spent three years of his life living with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he walked on water with him. He got corrected by Jesus. He was Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends, mm. and he's not seen Jesus for how many years he's lived for, and now he's he's getting ready to go see his friend again. Mm. That must have been quite special for him. Yeah. I think. And that, and that, I'm happy for Peter, and obviously now he's with Jesus, and they're probably having a great time. But it's this is also true for us Christians: is we get to see Jesus again, mm. and yes, we've not seen him with our with our clear eyes, and we've not seen him on this earth. But there's still that anticipation and that excitement of, I'm going to be with Jesus one day. Yeah, that's still aside, it has nothing to do with family and, and anxiety. But I just really enjoyed reading those verses. Yeah, it came alive to me. It's, it's just even a, so, so the, the question around family and the, the fact we all the whole thing about Christmas is the coming together. Mm. I think when my dad was like dying with cancer, he. The, the, when you have someone who like you, there's a crisis in the family, the the, ability, the wanting to come together. And, and to do that, sometimes you just have to make things right with one another. There's an urgency to have the conversations that you've probably not been willing to have for one year, two years, even three weeks or two weeks or even two days. Mm-hmm. But because right now we need to be family. Mm-hmm. I remember even the situation with my mum, my mum saying we need to be family. It was quite clear that you know, a divided family falls. Mm-hmm. A, a united family stands. And that being the gospel is being this family. And how Christmas 
if he comes out so even like yeah not helpful to have an election just before because yeah people will have voted differently or you know different people even the gifts thing like the size of gifts you've got we got some men family members who've got money they bring the gig and then there's the people who haven't got anything having the oh, I've made this is all homemade and and actually in heart we're like yeah but that's okay it's all good you know I'm glad you've taken time it's what it's the meaning and all of that but actually it's funny how if we were dying mm. the most important thing is our relationships with one another mm. that we are together mm. that we're united and suddenly that becomes urgent mm. and, I, and again I think um, even this season it, it's interesting I think even with everything we've said is that we we want to be urgent with our friendships and our relationships and we don't want any division to count against that and so sometimes these big divisions that you've lived with even for the last year sometimes you think that, that is not important right now even that thing is small now because of the urgency to be family and I, I suppose I'm, I'm wondering as family again I'm thinking is there any area I need to forgive this is sort of on the back of Sunday again but is there any area where I, I need to have mercy or you know, so that we can be family this year, that mm. we can make it right. How do we? What, what do we have to do even for that, to get people here? Well, you, you, everything stops to get people home for Christmas. But then in the gospel, what do we need to do in the gospel to make things right with one another? Mm. And and that being a, a, I think Christmas just comes looming larger than that. So even like political differences, well, we've got to hold that lightly. Again, even I've seen some of the debates on Facebook and Millie, like. Yeah, I get you've got a strong view because you want people to vote the way you want. That's great, but let's not not do this at the expense of Brilliant. relationship or family. Because ultimately, we're all going to get around the table after this. Yeah. We're all going to fellowship one another, and so let's not get too crazy in what we're saying. I think even what you're saying about the vote thing is that's the same thing. Is let's hold things lightly mm-hmm. for the sake of unity. So good. We've got a few questions that have come in. Um, so let's crack on with them. Um, one of the questions was, if you have a distorted view of your earthly father that has an impact on your view of your heavenly father, what could you go about doing to correct that? I, I think you... Um, um, the, the issue of... of uh, <laughs> the reality is that there are people who have uh, fathers who have been extremely below satisfactory who seem to nevertheless develop a very um, peaceful trusting relationship with God the Father and there are people who have fathers who are uh, to judge generally really good dads who nevertheless develop a real distrust towards God the Father so I'd be a bit wary of overdoing this as a, as a causation a kind of um unavoidable causation that you're you're kind of somehow emotionally um especially disabled by having an experience of a, of a difficult father um i wouldn't want to override that i think that can become a reason why people i think people can make the wrong decisions by assuming that that that, that will be a problem um, and we can gen- we can unnecessarily generate a culture where that becomes an expectation on people's relationship with god mm. And the Bible just doesn't do that. In fact, the Bible in many ways almost does the opposite. You think of someone like David, whose experience of his dad was that his dad didn't even notice him mm. to the point where he, he, when, he, when it was time to line up the boys for the prophet to come around and choose which one's going to be king, David's not even in the lineup. Mm. He's out with the sheep. He's totally, you could say, pretty emotionally abused son mm. um, and, and yet grows, grows through that with a deep, trusting relationship with God as his father. 
and uh, I think that's a good pattern. So I would encourage you, if this is your experience, to not assume that it, that it gives you a particular uh, unique um, syndrome um, because actually even even um, that notion can just dis can be a, a, I think of overly forming lie in people's lives the Bible actually says that no temptation has come to us except that which is common human beings generally our experience of the temptation to distrust God which is really what that verse is about you know God is faithful Paul says to the Corinthians and, and, he, and no temptation is, you know, he always provides a, a, a way out, a, a, an outcome, so that we can we can hold on. Um, if someone's saying, no, I, I just can't trust that God's a good father because my experience of my father was, was so negative, mm. um, I actually would say to you, actually, you know what? Um, the, 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 the good news is better than that. Mm. You're not in chains because of that. Mm. And, and to come back to uh, the, the father, uh, from whom all fatherhoods are mm. a poor copy and let him define fatherhood for mm. you and let him do that that's a just a joyful perspective that's an, there's an opportunity there. that's wonderful and it may be that there are some some notions of his fatherhood that have that you've transferred un, perhaps unthinkingly from your experience of your dad which are quite negative and if you've done that the the, the, the it's, it will be actually be, as the holy spirit begins to help you to see what those things are there's a there's a process of joyful repentance which may sound like weird words to combine but they're good words to combine that we actually say god i allowed a notion of you to creep in that was not of you mm. and i i'm, I'm going to thankful thankfully let go of it i just say lord you're not like that mm. i said you were like my dad and i know that i realize now that was wrong you are not like him there was a liar that told me that and uh, I, so I think people mustn't allow this to become a ceiling over their relationship with God. It's just a false one. And when we, the more it gets, sometimes it gets labored on as if there's an assumed ceiling. And I think that creates a culture of, um, I think a stunted culture for people. I remember as a dad having the other side of, of that anxiety of feeling, oh, wow, I've got to represent my heavenly father to my kids and being a good dad and just feeling the weight and the pressure of that mm. how do i live my life as a as a, as a consistent rock solid father who can point to jesus's and then i got the father's consistency yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and his, his, his grace in in, uh, in my life and then i remember spending some time with you just because just before i became a dad so about eight years ago nine years ago um, and sharing this with you and you said no you don't have to carry that pressure you got to demonstrate. So you are not Jesus to your children. You are not the father to your children. They need to have their own relationship with Jesus, mm. and you need to point. You need to show them your dependence on Jesus, as much as their dependence is to be on Jesus. And that just took all the pressure away from me. I was like, oh, great! So when I get it wrong, I can apologize to them and, and seek their forgiveness, and then use that to talk them to or the forgiveness that I receive from Jesus. Yeah. And that just took away all that anxiety. And I, 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 you know, I should keep going back to it from time to time whenever those thoughts come. Am I being a good enough dad? Am I am I loving them the way I've, when they've caught me on a, on a bad day or if I'm tired or if I've just really made a mess of things? Um, just going back saying, no, but Jesus, you have grace and you have grace on my life and you have grace on my kids' lives. And, and I cannot be the perfect father to my kids. I will get it wrong. Uh, but just knowing that Jesus is, yeah, is sufficient and, and his grace is very much for our kids as well as for us, his dad's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, in your preach you were saying about um, some people being a cause of anxiety in their families and I was, you kind of touched on this earlier but um, what would you say to someone that's not necessarily trying to be mm. and is trying mm. to um, like honour their parents in a godly way but that maybe they're not Christians yes. or um, 
but they're almost being labelled by family members that they are a cause of anxiety. Yeah, wow, that's that's a it's a very difficult situation, isn't it? And I, I I think the ultimate answer has to be that we're not we are not responsible each one of us for the way people respond to us. Yeah. Um, we are responsible to the way we obey God. So in some situations I cannot seemingly avoid the the perception of giving offence even though the last I'm not trying to give offence and I realise that that's um, um, going to be part of the pattern of following Jesus because I see it in him so he did create anxiety um, without seeking it occasionally now to be fair in Jesus case in a sense he sometimes it's a whole different sermon, but you know, it created anxiety sometimes on purpose, but not the sort you're talking about, where actually you'd expect us to bring healing and blessing to family, and we will be a stone in the shoe for some people. We'll do it without intending it. And again, I just I guess coming back to the first Peter, you know, reading the letter one Peter, um, there's there's one of the riches of that letter is is um, there's um, an emphasis on not on on. The character of God, the gracious, patient character of God, um, which which it's possible for us, it seems to to, to show to show to people, um, and um, people people will sometimes snap back at us because our deeds are good, not because they're evil. Because actually, goodness creates a reaction that that of anger, at, at least at first, um, at least initially, and sometimes sadly continually and we need to not take that as a as proof that we're getting it wrong we need to learn to hold our hold our ground and say look am i am i being truly am i causing anxiety badly willfully sinfully yeah and god help me not to uh, but if i'm doing this just because i'm being faithful to jesus i need to just stand strong I need to get through the storm get through it not revile in return not not react um and, and and God, we can trust God for grace to help us in that in those times. So I think that's a, the key thing. I think um, being saved into a non-Christian family, I think. You I mean think out of a non-Christian? Out of a non-Christian family, yeah. yeah. Well, and going back into it. Yeah. Um, Are I you think, a Christian? Just, I just am a Christian. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I, I think right it's, it's when I was trying to be Jesus that I caused anxiety rather than just being Jesus. Uh, so I think if you're trying to I think the reason we get into holes as Christians in is trying to feeling like it's our goal now to save the family mm. Mm. Um, and that's out of care because we've come into this peace and this joy I mean I I was so happy I wanted my, I wanted my parents to be as happy mm. and so I think initially I got caught in the trap of yeah. right so I'm there now I lived the, so I've got to now save them um, and then realised that didn't work mm. and, I, and I think it, it took a wise pastor and a so wise counsel to take me off that track. But I think, you know, trying to turn every discussion back to mm. faith and Jesus, trying to be Jesus, trying to sort of almost be ultra holy in front of everyone or ultra pious, all those things are mm. so aggravating mm. to the family. That's right. and, and I think um, avoiding that at all costs. Mm. And I think also I came to, I mean, my dad sort of helped me because he, I think he was, he just said, well, he said, sat me down and he said, well, I like you, but I've liked about you. And I probably got the message before and started living it. But he said, you don't ram Jesus down our throats. I, I felt that was just a, that's, our, that's what we want you to be as well. You know, so I didn't. And I left. We didn't talk about it until my dad had cancer. And then at that point, 
he reaches out to me yeah. and wants to know about Jesus because mm-hmm. he's facing it. So I think I, I just had to trust God mm-hmm. for my family. I would go and pray. Mm-hmm. I would have lots of times of prayer going, God, why give my life to the church? Please don't let my family miss on this salvation. But that was between me and him. And I trusted him to do the rest. Mm-hmm. And, and he was faithful. He was amazing. But I had to get that place because otherwise I was no witness. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was the exact opposite. Good. Good. Uh, last question, I think, we've got time for. Uh, the verse, it's not good for a man to be alone. Hmm. These verses, I'm just going to read out what this verse is. These verses point very strongly to alone, meaning not made one flesh with the wife. We can try and broaden that interpretation to mean alone in the context of friends and whatnot, but this feels like a stretcher. Yet in 1 Corinthians 7, it's stated that it's better for a man not to marry. How do we rationalize these two seemingly contradictory messages? Some of us are under God in full singleness, despite having the strong desire to not be alone. How do we resolve this tension if the word of the Bible gives us no way out? Yeah, so it's um, when you get the verse um, um, in, in, in Genesis 2, it's not good for the man to be alone. And then you get 1 Corinthians 7, uh, it's, it's better for a man not to marry. It looks like... Uh, in a zero-sum game, there's direct competition between which one of these is true. And I think we have to say, right, it's not a zero-sum game. It's not like one of them can be true. Um, it, 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 we have to think, well, what are the layers of meaning that are being engaged here? And the answer is there's several. So the context of Genesis 2 and the context of 1 Corinthians 7 are very different. And what's being talked about yeah, and what's being addressed and corrected is very different. Um, Genesis 2 is talking about something very primal about the human um, experience on mass and in general for all, all people, um, and uh, and the, the goodness of marriage and the goodness of family um, as a general good that God has made. Um, the scripture is clear that that is not the last word on marriage. Jesus himself says really explicitly some people are called not to marry, uh, called to singleness for various reasons. Um, so we know that scripture's entire testimony doesn't force. Genesis 2 to mean that it's bad for us for anyone to be single and then you get to one Corinthians where Paul says it's bad for some to be single and what he in that context is saying um, talking to a church where there's a there's a huge restlessness about change this change that um, people who perhaps have become Christians and are thinking right now I need to divorce my non-Christian partner uh, or uh, people who uh, become Christians and thinking right now I therefore I need to get married immediately to a Christian um, uh, without necessarily any wisdom involved in it, but just there's a sort of a restless kind of change for change's sake. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bond servant to a certain master. I've become a Christian, therefore I should leave that master mm-hmm. and because I'm a Christian now. And, and Paul spends a whole chapter saying, ah, da, 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 da. wait a minute, you know, just, just don't, you have to rush these things. Be, be wise. If you're, if you're in this situation, stay in that situation. Be faithful in that situation. Uh, the most important thing is that you love and serve Jesus and sh- and um, learn and demonstrate fruitful trust in Jesus in your given situation mm. um, because marriage is not going to make you better as a Christian mm. in that sense it's not going to make you closer to God neither is singleness he's saying in, it just it, if you're single uh, right now the will of God for you is most likely you know what just stay single you Corinthians just stay single and serve Jesus and trust Jesus and stop in a kind of pseudo spiritual way thinking that if I become this category of person or this demographic, I'll, I'll therefore be more of a, uh, um, a, a, I'll be better, I'll be, I'll be superior. Yeah. So it's that kind of issue. So for some people, that's that's exactly what they need to hear. It's like you know what, 
you, you, these problems you've got, they're not really solved by you getting married. You just need to stay single, stay faithful, learn to trust Jesus, learn to rule your own body and your emotions, become a servant of God and sort of stable person that a, a wife or a husband can really connect with in a fruitful way in the future. That's how I'd explain that. Um, and to the single people that are in that situation, I, I, I want that, you know, it sounds strong, I, I'm saying it quick because I probably sound more aggressive than I mean to. I know that's a big burden to carry, but I want to say it's a good one. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a, a life-giving one, ultimately. Jesus demonstrates it himself, um, you know, living single and living great. Mm. Brilliant. We have come to an end of our live lunch uh, and for live lunch for this year. So thank you for tuning in. To, it's been an amazing thank you. Mind series. Thank yes. You Joel and the team for producing. We love you. Preaching. Well, thank you for tuning in, all five of you. 11 of you this afternoon. Kokoro. Thank you so much. And Kokoro. <laughs> and we have to finish, so we are signing off. See you in 2020!